everyone, welcome to 12 Questions. This is Anna Valenzuela. I am very stoked. It kind of rained a little bit in LA today, which is weird. Like we're almost having weather, which is beautiful. Um, it's also made it disgustingly humid. Uh, so I am very sweaty. Um, but I'm really, really grateful uh, for today's show and today's guest and my co-host's beautiful bearded face, Mr. Dave Yates. Oh, hey, everybody. I don't know about beautiful, but we're here. We're facing it. We're bearded. Dave, we're, what's it, what are you grateful for today? This strong coffee I made myself. It's funny. My, my friends send me gratitude lists sometimes, and coffee's always on my gratitude list. It's a standard for me. I'm, I'm right there with you. I am right there with you. I think coffee should grow a little bit of hair on your chest. Just a little I've bit. I've got plenty of it. And I've been hitting the L.A. streets with a couple of less buttons buttoned. Because it's a new world out there, and uh, chest hair, I believe, is man cleavage. So it is. It is. Have you considered a crop top? Mm, no, but I could just tie off my shirts. I could start. Doing there you that. go. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's uh it's 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 hot boy summer, round boy summer, some kind of summer. We're doing it. We're doing <laughs> it in these comedy streets. I gotta get booked somehow. <laughs> exactly. Show a little leg. Mm-hmm. Dave, could you do us a favor and um, read that gorgeous clarity statement? Sure can. Welcome to 12 Questions Podcast. We believe that growth and recovery isn't just for clean and sober people. Our mission is to share our experiences with guests who do the same. We're not affiliated with AA, NA, or any other 12-step organization. 12 Questions has absolutely no opinion on the use of drugs or alcohol by anyone. We're simply two people that happen to be in recovery that want to give hope to anyone struggling. Although some of our guests may be clean and sober, some of them are not or choose not to divulge. The purpose of the podcast is to learn more about ourselves and others. We only hope that you can learn something about yourselves by listening listening hell yeah and i'm i'm very i'm very excited again i always say that every episode i'm like i'm so excited because i am i'm excited all the time uh wake up excited fall asleep too excited probably um but i uh this this guest that we have today is like a he's like a hero i'm a fan i'm a fan girl out a little bit this is like one of the masters this is this is an amazing human and uh so so i'm gonna let him introduce himself who are we speaking with today Hi, I'm Jimmy Pardo. Hey. Was, did I come in professionally enough with that? That was oh, good. Ap- yes. Yes, um, you, you've been the most professional element of the setup of this podcast. You have such a producer vibe. It's amazing. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, you're welcome. And thank you. I, I guess is the ang- uh, the uh, direction to go with that. Hi, I speak for a little past year. Uh, what's that, Dave? I said, how you been holding up this past year? You know what? Honestly, um, uh, a, a, thank you for asking. B, I, I, I think 
better than most, I would say. I, I, I've been, not, that's not, not better than most, better than some. Yeah. Um, we, uh, admittedly, the first month or two when we first went on lockdown, I, uh, I, I went, I, I kind of went bananas and stressed out and I wiped off every, everything, everything, anything, yeah. uh, like I, we didn't leave the house and I still wiped things down as if they were touched by some fog of COVID that came into our house and I needed to wipe down, uh, Ar- house that I, I don't touch yeah. ever. I don't touch it. I, pre-pandemic, I didn't touch this place, but I, I should probably wipe that down now. And then as time started going on, I started, you know, calming down and, um, you know, I, I'm sure I was hit with some depression during it, but I don't yeah. know uh, exactly. But I guess that's a long-winded way to say uh, it, it's it's uh, probably the same as for everybody else. How's that? Is that a good answer? Yeah, I heard. I've heard a phrase, "COVID okay." Like I'm doing, I'm good. I'm doing good for you know heard, all things considered. I've heard considered. pandemic well. Pan, I've been doing pandemic well. Pandemic yes. well. well. Yeah. I, I, I went through an obsessive cleaning piece. I put a little sign on the door that was like, before you come in my house, I need you to wash your hands. Cause people were like coming in and I'd be like, you need to wash your hands. They'd be like, I'm like, wash your damn paws. (laughs) Well, why were you letting people in during the pandemic? We're supposed to be, weren't we supposed to be in pods and not letting people into the home? It was my pod. It was my, my boyfriend. You know what I mean? Well, then this a-hole could wash his hands. He should be washing his hands anyway. You would be surprised. You know what I mean? He's, he's, a, he's a wealthy man, so sometimes he has to be reminded that we pours, we keep clean for a reason. You know what wow. I mean? <laughs> you, you, you think him counting his money would make him want to clean his hands? So. <laughs> money is dirty. Money is the money dirtiest. Money is dirty. Um, <laughs> I was once, uh, Dave, to that point, I was once at a, uh, uh, in the Midwest, the, those casino boats, those gambling mm-hmm. boats, I guess they I call them. Well. <gasps> and um, oh. I walked into the restroom where there were two older gentlemen and one... One older gentleman is at the sink washing his hands, and the other guy goes, what are you doing washing your hands? And the guy goes, dirty, dirty money. <laughs> and I thought it was the greatest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. That needs to be a ringtone. <laughs> right? Dirty, it, dirty money. Dirty, dirty money. And, and the old man hunched over. Loved it. And, and so... Uh, if your boyfriend is wealthy, I want him to wash his hands, I guess is what yeah. I'm saying. Yes, we've had that conversation. I am, I, I, but I also, what I related to is I went full abuela, like I was like clean, like mopping the porch, you know what I mean? Like doing that, like I bought Fabuloso, like I did the whole thing. I was like full, something activated, some sort of generational cleanliness trauma activated. And I had to, I basically deep cleaned everything for a few weeks and then settled into it. You get into a normal routine. I feel like we've all gotten used to being less gross. Which is nice. Agreed. But also, you're not doing any of that anymore, right? You've gone, you're not still mopping the porch, are you? No. Yeah, <laughs> no. Okay. Unless right. guests come over. If you want to come over, I'll mop the porch for you. I will, but I'll tell you what, I'm not going to wash my hands. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Can't make me. I love it. I, let's, get in, let's get into these questions. This is the best. Right, here's the first one. You said you've been toiling over it. Uh, what What does surrender look like to you, Jimmy? Like, what is what is uh, letting go of things you can't control look like to you? Oh, that's a. Uh, I, I I don't. I, I honest to God, and and look, this is part of why. Uh, I know you guys said that you're not affiliated with anybody, but you know, I I. Uh, I am not in any program. I've been sober for 22 years. Hell yeah. And, um, uh, and I went to a, uh, meetings for the first month and then I didn't anymore. So mm-hmm. here we are 21, uh, years and 11 months later and it's, uh, luckily it's still okay. Um, 
And part of the reason that I don't think I clicked with it is I don't these these phrases and terms I don't I like I don't know what that means like how do I how do I let go I I, I don't know if I ever if I'm smart enough to think it through as much as it just kind of happens. Okay. Is that okay? Is yes. that is, is that an answer in any way, shape, or form? No, I mean yes, I would describe it, it as just like it was a lot of the terminology in the rooms. You know, like it's called like radical acceptance. Like you just accept. You know where you're at. You accepted that you can't do the deal no more, and uh, you put it down. You know, well, like that. you know, I guess to that point, it's that. It's like, you know, it, uh, you know, even when it comes to show business, just kind of accepting what's happening. It's just more than than feeling um, anxiety or stress or bitterness or jealousy. Yeah, and just kind of going, well, you know what? There's been some great things that have happened, and there's been some awful things that have happened, and that's life. And um, you kind of just got to roll with it. I guess, you know, I, I, I now have a, a 13-year-old son, and I know it's cliched, but he, have, now being a father, has taught me it's easier to let go of things than it was before yeah. I had him. Especially with a teenager. I used to work at a, I worked, my first treatment job, I worked with teens, and, um, and teenagers move at a speed that is all their own, like, like just they do their thing they you can't push them any faster or any slower than they want to go and there's so much they they teach they taught me so much about like how little i control when mm. it comes to that it's like i just need you guys to get in the van could you get in the van just please get in the van just get in the get in the goddamn van <laughs> you know and so i i love that and i i love that you're a dad you know like so many comedians have this sort of like aversion to I don't know the nuclear family to being a parent to being accountable to anybody and and I love that well don't you think look I I will admit like I think I always wanted to have a family but you know I'm, a, I'm an older guy now and uh, when I was a, a comic starting out in my in my early 20s I, I I would agree with those guys like I didn't want accountability I could barely sure. I, I didn't know how to I didn't know what I was doing. And right. so to have brought a child into the world back in my 20s or even 30s would have been a disaster. It would have been, I was a mess. Right. So uh, so I kind of get that. And plus, you know, in, in comics, I mean, at the end of the day, whether you like the word or not, we're narcissists. We, we, yeah. We, yeah. we want to be on stage. We want to be liked by a room full of people that we don't know. It's important. Please like me, strangers who I wouldn't care about any other time but right now. And so we're so in our heads and bringing a, a child into it would be like, well, now I have to take 100% can't be in my brain. It has to be towards that. And I don't right. think, so I think it's fair for 20s or 30 year old people to feel that way. Um, unless it's in your head that you want to have a kid that early. I'm the, I don't judge anybody. I'm just, and, yeah. and, and to I, that I, end, for me. My, my thought has always been like, I know how I was brought up as far as like, my dad was a mechanic. My mom was a legal secretary and they provided us a pretty okay life. Like we were middle-class as it goes. Um, so I always thought as far as regards to comedy and having a family is like, I don't want to provide my kids with any less than I had coming up, you know? So until that stabilizes, you know, it's not a thought for me, you know, like it's, uh, you know, I, I do okay. I make my living doing stand up comedy, but it's like add a kid into the mix. Would I be able to support that kid? And that's, that's usually what prevents me from even entertaining those thoughts. Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting, Dave, to that is, um, you know, and I had those thoughts too. And it's, and again, it's the cliche that you hear from everybody who's like, well, I'm not ready to have a kid and, and financially this, that, 
and everybody always says, well, it, it'll work itself out. And it kind of does. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah. Now, granted, I, I got very lucky and I hit a couple of good show business things right as my son was born. So maybe I'm talking out my ass about that. But it... Um, uh, I think it. Uh, I think it works. To, like if all of a sudden you got to take an extra gig to make the, 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 you know, the bills work and everything. I, I think it could all work, uh, but you do it in your own time. Dave, nobody's rushing you. I'm not pressuring you to have kids. Can well, I that. tell you that um, once I went to a taping of Conan with my um, with my uh, a former guest on the show and my brother from another mother on the East Coast, Carlos Delgado, and uh, we when we get together we get to a pitch of loud that can only be described as Latinos in the wild. Like <laughs> like sometimes he'll look at me and he'll be like, and there's white people around, we're scaring them. Like we get just too excited, and you were you were doing your thing, uh, doing the warm up. And we were laughing at all the stuff comedians would laugh at. Yep. And you walked up the stairs. You looked at, you looked at, there's three comedians there. You look at three of us and you just went, no. And I started laughing. We, and he goes, he, how did he know? Because mm. <laughs> we were being I, crazy. <laughs> that's right. Uh, wonderful. Uh, well, I'm glad that you came to the Conan tapings. Those were uh, wonderful. And that that is that what I alluded to. Like, I, I got very lucky in that my son Oliver was born in 2007. I got the Conan gig in 2009 when he came out here and started at The Tonight Show when he took over uh, uh, for Jay. And then we all lost our jobs because Jay wanted his job back. <laughs> and... Um, uh, so I got very lucky that that gig happened, but I'm glad that you were there for that because it, it um, boy, it was fun. That was fun to do, and it, yeah. Uh, and I, I, I'm glad that because uh, I wasn't your, I'm not your typical warm up. I don't, I didn't throw out candy and T-shirts and do any of that. I kind of just was, and I'm, I'm grateful I got hired for it. But I just was funny, and so yeah. there were times where maybe the, uh, the people that didn't get tickets to see Ellen. Uh, then came over to see Conan, didn't really find me funny. And uh, others like yourself would go, well, this guy's being funny. So, uh, and I would very often do jokes uh, for people like yourselves who would get Get the more meta stuff for a lack of a better way to put it. Well, because that's, I mean, sometimes, uh, sometimes I switch into telling jokes like for the other comics like you you, i do it for myself you know sometimes i'm just gonna say something i'm like "Mm," you know i I love that i love that about you and and you know in your in your 22 years of growth and you know moving you know doing everything that you've done what has been your like most insane moment either in or out of your recovery journey you know it could be what drove you to stop it could be something insane great that happened um, uh, well, you, you know, it's a, it, it's a combination of several things. Um, and, and, you know, meeting my wife, Danielle was, is, is other than my son being born, the greatest thing that ever happened to me. I mean, that's just the truth. And mm-hmm. the first year that we were together, I was still the drunk and I'm grateful that she stayed with me through that. I really, I mean, it just, you know, we've been together now since 1998. So whatever that mm-hmm. is, 20, 23 years. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm 22 years sober and for 23 years, she and I have been together. So, wow. um, and I am grateful that she stayed with me for that year where I was not a, I was an asshole. I mean, that's the truth. I just, I was, I wasn't a great guy uh, um, because I was drunk. And, um, you know, I had times, you know, drinking where I, you know, I would drive the wrong way down a freeway. I would get on the, on the mm-hmm. I don't even know to this day how this happened, but I got on the, I went up the off ramp in Detroit, Michigan. And I, and I, I, I don't, I, to this day, don't know how that happens because that's on the other side of the highway. How did I even do it? 
And I remember then I'm going the wrong way and going and seeing headlights coming towards me and going, oh, this ain't good. And then making a U-turn. And it was the U-turn that made the cop realize, hey, there's a guy uh, who's wrong. And I got pulled over. And luckily, I didn't get a DUI, but I really should have. Um, And so there was that. And then there was a time when I was in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Apparently, Michigan is where I did most of my drinking by by these (laughs) two stories. It feels correct. That feels Uh, like the state to really do that kind of thing. uh, And then you join a militia and try to... uh, Say it again, Dave. Any state where they have to point at their hand to give directions, that's a drinking state. Uh, I call them mitten-headed idiots uh, Ah. because they they love to show it. Where do you live on the mitten? Oh, you're fascinating. Um... (laughs) So uh, I was in Grand Rapids, and this is in uh, this is ninety this is ninety eight. This is December of ninety eight. So uh, I'm about six months away from uh, from uh, from stopping drinking, and you know, as comics, you know, we we are very lucky in that we get our drinks for free at ninety nine point nine percent of the clubs, and yeah. so you know, I I would drink out of boredom, but there's no, there's nothing else to do. So I will stay here until you tell me to leave. And while I'm here uh, with nothing else to do, I will take advantage of you giving me free alcohol. So mm-hmm. uh, I would drink beer after beer. And then I would get in my rental car and drive because that's the smartest thing to do. Um, so I drove down to the Days Inn where I, we were staying. And I got back there. And, and at some point in my life, somebody told me that if you took a couple of aspirin and drank a lot of water before you went to bed, you wouldn't wake up a hang- with a hangover. Mm-hmm. And I think that worked a total of zero times. But I still would try it every single time. <laughs> So, uh, but this particular time, it was in the middle of December. Like I said, it was freezing outside. My hotel room was hot. I came in. I'm, I'm drunk. I'm flat out drunk. And I, I did the aspirin water thing. And then I went to brush my teeth. And as I was trying to brush my teeth, um, I got all woozy. And I was at the sink. And so it had the, uh, the faucet had like that big metal one. It didn't have the two knobs for the faucet. It had that one big metal thing, you know, where it yeah. swings from left to hot to cold. And so it's sticking up like a like a like a switchblade, just begging for me to pummel my my face into it. And I'm like sitting again with my toothbrush, like, oh, this can't be. And then sure enough, boom, straight down, smash my forehead into the faucet. And then I I literally heard a plop noise when I pulled my head off, and it, and blood started going everywhere. Whoa. And I then passed out for I don't know how long. Um, and then I came to like in a pool of my own blood and. Literally had a te- uh, tear up a because I didn't have any bandages because this wasn't planned on happening. Um, I had to tear up a pillowcase and tie the pillowcase around my head to stop the bleeding. So I look like I'm the guy that plays the fife in the bicentennial picture. Yeah. I look like Whoa. that guy. And uh, and then I have to catch a plane. So I wake up and I've got to now go catch a plane. And but I'm still drunk. I'm literally. St- I'm not. I didn't. I didn't sleep enough to drink off this drunk. Uh, yeah. So I'm still. I'm still. Ha- I'm basically still hammered, and and dragging my luggage down the hall. And I and I get to the front desk, and she sees it, wants to look at it, but doesn't want to look at it. You know what I mean? Because like you know maybe that's always my forehead. So she is like kind of peekabooing like up at me like and I so I, I I'm about to like go down again, and I was like. Do you think I should have this looked at? And, 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 and literally, as if she's been waiting her entire life to answer the question, she at the top of her lungs she yells yes. And then some housekeeper comes running down. They direct me to where the emergency room is, and so I go down to urgent care. And I they, I had to get stitches in my head. Whoa. And um, and then it was six months later that I decided to stop drinking. It wasn't even then. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, that is correct. That is definitely, that's the insanity that I, I brought to the table as well. It would be like, I would get arrested. I would have, you know, I'd end up in the hospital. I'd have, you know what it was? I got real sad one night. And that's, that's what got me to stop, essentially, you know, just being sad. <laughs> wow. Well, good for you. The night before I decided, I was in Boise, Idaho the night before I decided to stop. And they were, uh, the club, in, in a weird Thing. Was, that, it, was it liquid laughs? It was not. It was uh, the funny bone, which is no uh, longer there. And uh, but the staff was great, and they were uh, they they liked they they dug what I was doing. And so on the Sunday night, I was on stage, and they kept sending me shots. And I wasn't a shot guy. I was nothing but I would drink Miller Light. That was my. Th- I would drink Miller Light, and if you had one or a thousand, I would drink all of them. And I was not a hard liquor guy. And so they kept sending shots up to me because they were they were like, oh, we love this guy. We got it. And I'm not, I'm not a shot comic either. I'm like, that's not even my vibe on stage. So, right. But I'm also at the time like, well, I want everybody to like me. Even the staff must like me. So I must drink these these shots. And uh, they were called the dead Nazi, which I guess is just like four different types of alcohol or something in a, in one shot. And I had six of them or something like a banana number, like crazy number of them. Um, and then got back to my hotel and, uh, my beautiful, my woman who is now uh, my beautiful wife was then my beautiful girlfriend. I called her up and as we all do when we drink, we're paranoid and, uh, we get in our head that, uh, Hey, if I'm being a jerk, well, certainly they must be being a jerk. And so I Mm -hmm. called her voicemail and just left all these voicemails. Um, like, what are you doing? Why aren't you home? Why aren't you answering? Well, it's two 30 in the morning and she's probably asleep and doesn't hear the phone yet. Jackass. Right. right. Um, and so that was, so then I woke up and we're like, oh man. And she then, she, and it was never, it wasn't an ultimatum, but it was basically like, I can't, I can't keep doing this. I can't yeah. keep dealing with this. And it was enough for me to go, I'm done. Yeah. 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 When, when faced with losing stuff, that we really love and care about sometimes it's enough of a boost to to get to the place where you can make the decision to stop yeah you know Um, and that's why we have all types of guests on the podcast it's just like everybody needs to hear what it took for someone to stop Mm -hmm. and make that decision and how they currently make decisions because i know before i got sober it affected how i made decisions like getting drunk and trying to get to the next place and mm-hmm. all that um jimmy how do you make decisions today in your life oh that's a great question um you know i i, I think you know I, I again i think we're just at a different point where it's the it's you know the decision is made like what's best for my family as mm-hmm. opposed to in the past is what you know what's best for my career um so i think it's just a, you know and again luckily i have i have the greatest partner in my wife that you know we discuss everything we you know we any decision is 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 you know hey what you know what do you think that's an mm-hmm. example of what people say to each other when they're trying to figure something out um and i think it's just that dave i know i know that's uh, kind of maybe a boring answer but it's uh oh. i think i think that that's basically it like what what's what i know and again i know that we any dad should think this but what's best for my family yeah i, I mean bouncing bouncing any of the big decisions i make off of people like I don't, I don't really have a big family. So like my friends are my family mm. and, and I have trusted people that I can bounce things off of. And that's, 
to even commune with another human being is is progress from the way I used to be. Because the only person I was accountable towards was me before right. I got sober. So the decisions were made for me, myself, and I. Now, you know, like I live with my girlfriend, you know, I have people that care about me. Like I, I sponsor, you know, people. And it's like I make decisions based on my family, which is the, the chosen group that is in my center orbit, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. and and for me, for years, even with, you know, even with twelve step recovery and therapy and all the things, it decision making was such a struggle for me because I was always afraid. Of, I I I had it in my mind that every decision I ever made was just the next mistake, you mm-hmm. know, and so that's why I'm I'm a little obsessed with the with the concept of um, like how decisions are made and how people process those decisions now because we have to learn to trust ourselves we have to learn to trust that like everything's going to be okay and that that comes from a lot of self-reflection a lot of self-knowledge you know um being able to sit with ourselves and not you know use something to get outside of ourselves right so what's been the most interesting or surprising thing you've learned about yourself so far um uh, that I, well, I, I, I here to be self-involved. That I'm funny or sober. Oh uh, yeah. You know when you're when you're a, a drunk, you, you 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 know you'd go on stage maybe a little tipsy or, uh, which I tried not to do. That happened very infrequently, but but I would always drink afterwards. But I always thought I was you know hysterical. Oh look how funny I'm. You know like any guy, any any guy one person thinks look how great yeah. I am. I'm the life of the party, and it's like yeah, but you're not. And so then all of a sudden when I stopped drinking. Everything became clearer. So I guess that I guess that surprised me in that I was like, um, uh, God, I, it just seems like such a back patent answer. Um, Do not judge yourself for your answer. I'm going to judge myself for anything I damn well please. <laughs> um, that's who I am. That's what surprises me so much is that I insist on judging myself not stop. Uh, well, I think that's a very comedian thing, too. It was like, when I first started doing stand-up, I'd been, you know, clean for like 12 years. And, and I was like, oh, there's just this other mob of people that's always in this constant, has this constant monologue in their head, assessing a situation and looking for ways to deal with it with humor. I, I had not um, I had not run into a group of people that were entirely like that before. And I was like, oh, oh, I guess this is just like how my brain works. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, it is interesting, right? Uh, because we so quickly want to diffuse something with humor or protect mm-hmm. with humor, and when you when you're with a group of people where that isn't what they do, they they kind of look at you like, why would you say that in response to what just happened? It's like because I'm putting up a shield. That's what I'm doing. I'm <laughs> I, I, I'm saying something funny to 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 make myself safe. Um, yes, well, yeah. I sorry. That's it. I love that. I love that. Support for 12 Questions Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code 12QPOD. That's 1-2-Q-P-O-D at manscaped.com. Imagine having a sleek and well-designed, optimized trimmer that makes shaving time your favorite time in the bathroom. 
I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0, and I'm blown away by the performance. The craftsmanship and the details on the 4.0 are next level. I used other trimmers in the past, and I've nicked my balls plenty of times, and you all know the pain of nicking your balls. Ouch. Not to mention, afterwards, the sweat, the stinging. It's just not a good time. Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and incredible, comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. I now feel confident shaving my boys. This upgraded trimmer includes a multi-function on-off switch that can engage a travel lock. It also gives you the ability to run the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard lengths with sizes 1 through 4. Did I mention wireless charging? The new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery last longer. Men, if you've been shaving with the same nut trimmer on your face, you've been doing it wrong. No person wants to end up with pubes in their mouth. It's time to get your own ball, hair, and body trimmer with Manscaped to make me time the best time and enhance your confidence with some nice smooth boys. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code 12QPOD at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. I don't trust anybody that says that they're, uh, you know, I'm just an open book. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a person. I don't trust that's that person. That's a person with no boundaries. That's what yeah. that is. Uh, <laughs> and or a liar. fuck away from. Yeah, yeah. right? It's, uh, <laughs> and that person, of course, is never honest. They, that they're, uh, you know, it's, it's Donald Trump. You know, it's that. It's like, right. uh, oh, you're never going to meet somebody who's honest as me. <clears throat> and then here's a list of things he's not honest about. So I don't, right. uh, so wait, what's your question? I, 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 I once again deflected with humor. How honest are you with yourself and others? Well, I think I'm pretty honest these days. I think uh, uh, I am in it, I, but I, I hate conflict, as, uh, as I'm sure most of us do, although some people get off on it. I don't, uh, so being honest with others is not that easy to come by. Um, but, you know, in doing this podcast that I do, Never Not Funny, you know, we've gone from being, and we're still clowns because we're, you know, doing a comedy show, but it started where we, it was all about getting to the joke, and now we're pretty honest and open about what's going on in our lives, and I think that's helped me to do that in real life as well. Yeah. Um, And, um, yeah, I'd like to think I'm pretty honest. Yeah. Is that that the... Yeah, yeah. the only times where I feel like not being honest, it goes back to those defense mechanisms, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, if I'm afraid that you're going to judge me or or hurt me by the information I'm giving you, I, I tend to want to not be honest, but, like... You know, I've been I've been doing comedy a little over ten years, and I've been sober a little over nine. So, like, I spent the majority of my early early days in comedy just being a drunk mess. But I wasn't even funny yet. So, like, I'm glad I got sober. But like, even in early sobriety, like, I was still trying to get into my own skin as a comic, and I was worried that if I was honest, like. Why are you leaving the club so early? Because uh, if I stay too long, I'll probably drink, and I need to go to an AA meeting in the morning. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So like that—that's yes. that, the amount of self-honesty that I didn't have in the beginning. But I had to learn real quickly. I wouldn't be able to do this job if, if I wasn't honest with the people around me. Like, why don't you drink anymore? Well, because when Dave drinks, um, he gets thrown in jail sometimes. Yeah, that's the the old joke. What happens when you drink? I break out in handcuffs. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> wow, you both, you know, this this reminds me, of, and, and just going back to, so that people know a little bit of where I came from, like, when I did stop drinking on uh, July 18th of 1999, uh, I went to a meeting July 19th of 1999. Like, I went, I started, I went to meetings for a month, and I needed them. I needed mm-hmm. to do that. That was very, uh, I needed the structure, I needed something to do, I needed, and then, like I said, I realized that I didn't need it. Um, and uh, wait, there was a reason I brought that up, and I've lost my train of thought. But it was it was built on something Dave said. Well, you can yeah. you can hear people getting honest in a meeting about that was it. Oh, thank you, Dave. That was it. Hearing you guys both say that you um, have been arrested, um, being drunk. I, I kind of in those meetings. Thank you, Dave, for getting me back on track. Uh, in those meetings, I kind of felt like a fraud. In that, you know, my thing was, well, you know, I, I would call my girlfriend and be a jerk on the on the answering machine, and it was like, I, and then somebody else would get up and go, well, I lit my entire house on fire, I, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I burned my cat, and it was like, boy, I don't, this isn't me. Do I belong in these meetings? This isn't, you know, I, I, I just was, I was a bored drunk, so I, I kind of felt like I was uh, an imposter at those meetings, and. Um, and so, the, and, and luckily, like I said, I, I ended up not going, and, and it's worked out. But uh, sure. maybe had I stayed, I would have had a, you know a, a different thought on it. Well, and well, that's the problem sometimes in twelve-step rooms is people mm-hmm. focus on the war stories, mm-hmm. like I was this bad, mm-hmm. you know, and and they wear it like a badge of honor when in actuality, like everybody talks about a bottom, like in, mm-hmm. in regards to getting sober, and I think. A bottom is is only an internal bottom because I lost mm. a whole bunch of stuff, but that didn't make me want to stop. Like similarly with the uh, head into the faucet in the days in, you would think that that would be like a physical bottom for someone, but yet you kept drinking for six months. Yeah. Right. You know. But I think what it really is, and what I encourage people to do, is just like listen for the similarities, and it's like the bottom exists inside like when i when i'm done when i reach an emotional Mm -hmm. bottom is really when i have the best chance of quitting yeah yeah and i i I mean i was 20 i was 20 so i had like you know i walk into these meetings and there's ex-cons and there's you know there's prison tattoos there's stuff that i had never you know i had never had never been about my social circle my social life and so for for me, uh, we always used to joke because sometimes the old timers would say stuff like, you know, I I did more dope than you spilled, or or I spilled more dope than you ever did, or whatever. And and our response to you know as young people would always be like, well, maybe if you weren't so old and shaky, you wouldn't have spilled so much. <laughs> and like just to kind of just to kind of establish that like what what the unifying thing is the disease it's that we all struggle with our relationship to mood changing and mind altering substances and and um and that is it's uh that's its own thing you know and and i think that one of the things because i could start and stop one of the things that would always come up for me would be a tremendous amount of fear and anxiety without using you know Mm -hmm. it was like this who, you know, because I was afraid of being in my own head and my own thoughts. Um, what, how do you experience fear and anxiety? Yeah, that's a great, uh, the, the, I, you just nailed it. It's like a lot of the drinking was that as well. Like if, if I'm drunk, I don't have to be held accountable for anything I'm doing or thinking or saying. Um, and um, uh, what, like, I, I, I I, I'm trying to say two things at once, and neither of them want to come out. Um, when 
the hardest time for me not drinking these days, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm 22 years in of this, yeah. is going to social settings mm. where I feel uncomfortable being in that setting. And so yes. I'm anxious. And in the old days, I would calm that by drinking. Right. And by not having that, I don't really know what to do. And sure. even here I am still 22 years later, and I still haven't figured out what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I say to my wife, every, of course, we haven't been to a party in eight, over 18 months. And even before that, we weren't big party people. But we would go, and I would literally at the door, you know, she would take the time to get ready and get dressed. And we would get there, and at the door, I would go, uh, so we're, we're a half hour, we're in and out, we got out of this thing. Because I was so anxious of, I don't know how to act in, in group settings. What do I do? Don't have a drink to distract me. And it would take me at least a half hour to an hour to calm down and mm-hmm. then be like, oh, okay, people like me. I like mm-hmm. them. We're going to enjoy ourselves. And why did I want to leave right away? These are people whose company I enjoy. What a ridiculous, but I still had it. And maybe maybe, maybe the pandemic has taught me I will not have that anymore. Maybe that's, you know, uh, an, uh, an anxiety that will go away because I'll be looking forward to seeing people again. Or will I? Because I'm afraid they're going to get me uh, sick. You know, with it, with everything opening up over Fourth of July, uh, comic had you know a little pool party, and I experienced the exact same thing. On the way up, I was looking at my teeth, I was looking at my skin, I was super anxious, and I think that's just normal. I think I think it's normal, but I but once I got there, I had, I had had the person I went with. I had like a hard out of like we're gonna be there for an hour, right? I was there all day, of all course. night because because once I leaned into like. Oh, and I, I would say something. I, I actually had to at one point verbalize. I was like, you know, I'm just really anxious right now. I'm just really insecure about this. So I'm just blah, 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 verbal diarrhea. And one person said, oh, it's, you mean we've all just been locked in the house for, you know, a year and a half, 18 months. I guess we're all really socially awkward right now. Yeah. That's probably what's going on. And there was such an acceptance of like, we're all big spazzes right now. And to just be okay with that. You know? Yeah, I, uh, I hope so. I have not. I, I really have. I, I don't think I've been in any. Well, except my son's uh, eighth grade graduation. There was a group of you know that was. <gasps> oh, but how it, cute! It was. Uh, yeah, they luckily they had one. It was outdoors, and uh, everybody had to be socially distant. But that that brings up another thing in that I'm anxious because when I'm around non comics after, and you guys know the world, when mm-hmm. you're immersed in the comedy world, uh, to your point about seeing me at Conan, we have a shorthand talking to each other. And yes. we, we know we know when somebody's being a sarcastic dick, and mm-hmm. it doesn't mean what they're saying. And you know you know how you know there's just a weird. We know how to talk to each other. And so when I'm in a setting like my son's eighth grade graduation with non comics, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. Uh, no matter what I say, it's going to be the wrong thing. And then it's going to be twelve minutes of me explaining why I said what I just said. Uh, when in, with, with a group of comics, it would have been, not, it would, hey! Yeah, everybody just would have kept it pushing. And I, yeah. my uh, my roommate calls it, co- you know, because there's code switching, right? So like, like again, I'm, you know, I can be with my I can be with my homie Carlos, and we're you know yelling and screaming and speaking Spanglish to each other and just being goofy. And um, so to code switch from comic to normal has been really. I've been taking these college classes and I've had to realize that I do have to code switch because my personality is just too big yeah, <laughs> for like community college people. But how do you do that? I, I, here, I, I, again, I'm, I'm 
you know, I've been doing comedy, you know, a lot, you guys are much younger than me. The only reason I say this is so much longer than you guys. I don't know how to be around real people. I don't know how to do it. I don't, I don't know how to switch that code I, as you I speak. Th- I think of, for me, I, I got to remember that, like, not everybody's paying attention to me. Mm-hmm. You know, like we, we go from being on stage where everybody's looking at you to whatever degree, you know, like you're in the middle of it. But then yeah. in a social setting, like no one gives a fuck. Like, <laughs> I have to remind yes. myself that I got to keep my give a fuck tank super empty mm. around civilian people. And yeah. I can throw a quip here or a quip there, but I just, it doesn't, that's one thing the pandemic taught me. It's like, I, it's like none of this, like a lot of this stuff doesn't matter. Like yeah. what, what, like what I look like, or what, like whether I'm being funny at, at all moments. It's just, it's the stakes have never been lower, and it's very freeing. Mm. You yeah. know, it's yeah. very free. Even on stage, it's just like I, I've been making a joke where I'm just like I could literally punch myself in the balls as my closer, and you'd be like, oh shit, is that George Carlin up there? We're just happy <laughs> to be out of the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think too, it's like the. Um, Oh man, how to code switch? I, I foster. I deliberately foster relationships with people who are not my coworkers. I, it's it's about it's about assessing the boundaries that we have within. Dave talked about those inner circles. You know, it's like rings on a tree, right? So it's like assessing those boundaries and assessing those um, those relationships and those connections, and understanding that like. Not not everybody's my best friend and has to get the full 150% of who I am, you know, and also understanding like, when when we're, we're having people time and and a lot of time I'm trying to use those skills I get from those relationships that aren't with comedians. So when I am interacting with comedians. I'm not at that like vibration where I say a bunch of stuff like because we where I say stuff where sometimes it's like oh girl too far you know mm-hmm. like oh pull it back because comedians will will bust each other's balls to a, a degree that and twelve step people are like that too people would be like how'd you pick up roasting so quick and it's like I've been drinking coffee with cholos for you know over 10 years yeah i know how to bust a ball like mm-hmm. i know how to i know how to play the dozens all right like so it there is there is a um there is an ability to be like oh we're with our friends now and i had a really interesting i had a really interesting thing i um have a great aunt in seattle she's like 89 and her daughter was like hey we're gonna have a little family reunion things are kind of opening up it's gonna be safe you mind flying up? And she said the nicest thing. She said, and do us a favor. Don't do any stand up while you're up here. We just want to spend time with you. And I was like, what a beautiful boundary. What a Mm -hmm. clear and loving boundary. And to now, now I'm thinking like, you know what, when I go visit people, I'm not going to be that comic who's like, I got to do a bunch of spots. I'm going to ask them first, hey, when I'm up there, do you want me to just visit? Or should I, you know, do some spots and stuff? Is that okay with you? And to consent to ask people if they they'd like that, you know, how they want the interaction. So to make it a conscious effort, I think is, I I think that's the key. I as I'm just discovering it now, you know. You know what I uh, to that point. I my son and I are going to go visit my dad in Chicago. My we have not seen him in two years, and wow. every time I've gone back to Chicago. Uh, it's been like, uh, all right, well, dad, I can see you on Thursday, but then I've got shows Friday, Saturday yep. and, or, you know, I'm, 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 oh, Hey dad, thanks for a great barbecue. I got to run. I got to go do my show tonight on a Sunday. Really? You have a show on a Sunday? Yeah. I picked up an extra show on a Sunday and 
I'm not doing that this time. And hey. it is, I'm not, we're not even there yet. We're weeks away. And I already feel freer knowing yep. that I'm going to be able to give my dad uh, one, and, and friends that I haven't seen in years my full attention with no stress of having to leave anywhere and, you know, and perform. So uh, I'm with your great aunt's niece, whoever it was that Daughter told you that. Somebody, it's a, it's, it's the, it's the, that when I met this side of the family, I realized you've ever met a side of a family and been like, oh, we're the crazies. The mm-hmm. Californians are the crazies. The Washingtonians, the, oh shit, they're, they're like normal. They got it together. Yeah. <laughs> they're like regular humans. Yeah. Cops, uh, nurses, doctors, you know what I mean? Just good people, you know? <laughs> yeah, just good people. That's exactly right. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> but uh, what is uh, one thing we talk about in the program, you know, since you've you know, been to meetings? And by the way, they don't work for everybody. I totally respect people that are like, I went to a meeting, I needed it, and then I got what I needed, you yeah, know? I tell people I don't get bonus chips for recruitment, you know? Like, it doesn't <laughs> matter to me. Well, I will tell you, too, that that's refreshing to hear here because uh, so often I get the opposite where it's like, well, you're going to fail. It's like, well, I'm 22 years in. I'm... well, no, it, like I, so it's refreshing to hear you two say that. Well, those Jimmy. people, those people are the ones that are worried that they're going to fail, mm-hmm. or they ah, can't possibly. Projection. They possibly can't envision a world without the program of their choosing, uh, keeping them afloat. Mm. Because at the end of the day, what stands between me and another drink is whatever I think is out there helping me, like a spirit of the universe or something like that. Like I got to tap into something like bigger than me and how do I how do I put myself into a situation where it's just like, and, and, and a bigger than me could just be an idea that if I pick up this drink, I'm going to lose it all. And that's got nothing to do with the program. You know, mm-hmm. like you and your wife, you know, that relationship, it's like that. that's a, that's a power that's that's pretty great. And it's like, if I pick up this drink, that might go away and I'm right. not willing to lose that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And also like if people do listen, if people do in our little cults, our little 12 step cults, if people say that to you, you let me know. I'll talk to them. I'll Senator, talk to them. I, I know you've up. got the connection with those cholos and coffee. So I do. It, yeah. I do. I have like a whole, I have a whole version of myself. That's like, really, really? You going you going to talk this way to a person who's living their life? on their, you know, the best way they can. Well, and, that's, like, and Anna was about to get into it. It's just like, you know, we call those in the rooms defects of character, like character traits that we're not really proud of, you mm-hmm. know? And, and someone worrying about what the fuck someone else needs to do to stay right on any given day, that's what I would deem as a defect of character. And, mm-hmm. the, and question number seven is, is uh, Jimmy, what are some of the things that you maybe don't like about yourself that you've worked on the most over the years? Um, boy, oh boy, what have I, 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 I know this is, it, it's such a, a, an umbrella of a statement, but I, it, just to be a better person, I know that I've mm-hmm. grown so much in even the last five to seven years, uh, and just getting involved more politically, even though I don't, yeah. I don't know what that means. Uh, I think but we all have in the we last, all, it, I, it's hard. It's hard to be a sentient human with a brain in this country and not become more political. Like, yes, and I don't necessarily mean more. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I, no, I was going to say after 2016 on stage, I started to, 
I can't unzip the, I can't unzip my, my lady body and just walk out and be a neutral in a, you know, and not be, have the last name Valens. Well, I can't just, I can't just not become this thing that's inherently political in our society. So got to talk about politics sometimes. Sorry, uh, I interrupted you. No, no, I interrupted. Zoom was not our friend. I interrupted you. I apologize. For, <laughs> um, and uh, uh, so, yeah, I get. I, I just basically what you just said, and I, 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 that like, how do you, how do you not, how do you not see that there's, uh, I, I guess again, it, it, it comes back to being comedians and being so focused on our careers, which is again, it's our business, it's what we do. There's nothing wrong with that, but there's also time to notice that other people may be hurting and other people may need our attention, and not necessarily being woke, but just being compassionate. And I don't. I know that that's happened. I, I've become a lot more of that in the last six to seven years um, than I was before that. It's, you know, and again, being a father changes that as well. But, you know, but I still was in show business and, and daddy's got a dream. Daddy wants to be on television. So, uh, but <laughs> now realizing like, you know what, uh, that, that's, you know, other people need your attention too. Oh man, I love that. I love I love what you just said about oh compassion. God. I love that because you know, the the thing about character defects is that to stop knowing them, you have to have a character asset. You have to just choose a different behavior, right? So it's like you know, going from the judgment of like, well, how do you do this? It's not going to last for you to the compassion you know, you described, that's exactly the character asset that I would, I would, I would employ if I was experienced judgment and criticism, I'd be like, you know, I might have compassion for this person. And, um, you know, and, and compassion for myself, you know, why do, why do I have to be judging everybody? What am I insecure about? You know, and so I, I just love that. I love it when comedians talk about ideas like that, like compassion, because I feel like we've, uh, at least we can, we can see that there's been a polarization, right? at least in our community yeah. around, you know, how do we act, say, do, behave as the world changes very rapidly. And I think that's the word is it would just do what you do, but do it with some goddamn compassion. We all just survived a trauma together. Well, you know? the one thing I say, so that I don't come off hypocritical, uh, when it comes to judgment, if, if you're wearing a red hat that says MAGA, I'm judging all day long and I, 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 I don't understand what you're doing. Uh, why are you like this? Why I, I, I may have I may have forgi- forgiven it the uh, in 2016 because you're a conservative guy that you've always voted Republican and sure. that and that's what you're going to do. But then if you still supported that person and his views four years later, I don't have any compassion uh, and I will judge you because I don't understand why you think that's okay behavior. So yeah. so that's yeah. me talking out of both sides of my mouth. I realize that, but uh, uh, I'm not perfect. Well, no you is. know, and, and and that's the thing too. It's like there's some things. It's just like a lot of people are yelling, "Oh, we just all need to get along." It's like, no, we we don't all need to get along. Like, I don't have to be unkind or seek you out to hurt you in order to be like, "No, nah, I don't fuck with you," and and that's okay. Um, yeah. An interesting. I think thing the line is: is if do our beliefs harm other people? And do I our actions that, around our beliefs harm other people? And I believe that the actions of those folks do, so I don't want to be a part of it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Sorry, Dave. No, it's okay. Um, the, 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 next, the next cue on the list, though, is forgiveness. And it's just like, this is a topic. 
Like this is a topic when we're if we're talking political stuff right now, it's just like how how does one experience forgiveness when people are participating in unforgivable actions? And so that's the question, Jimmy. How do you experience forgiveness today, whether it's surrounding uh, how you feel about other people or uh, how do you experience forgiveness if you make a mistake? Um, boy, that's a that's a great question. You know, the, the, the thing that first comes to mind is something I said once to my uh, therapist, and uh, which, by the way, goes back to while I didn't need the program uh, after 30 days, I needed a therapist for a mm-hmm. long time mm-hmm. uh, to, to work through, right? So, I mean, it's like, so that was my version of that. And I, and I said to her once, and I've said this before, so it's, it's, uh, if anybody's listening to this and goes, oh, here's part of this thing again. Um, I was once at Target, and everybody was getting on my nerves. Everybody was getting on my nerves. People, a woman was too long in the toothpaste aisle. A woman, a gentleman was you know, in my way when I was trying to check out. And I finally just went, and I said this to my therapist, everybody else can't be doing something wrong. And it was kind of a way for me to go, to forgive myself in a way of, for being so anxious and judgmental of others. But at the same time, in a way, forgive others. They're not doing anything. They're not. And so why am I mad at, why am I mad at the world to uh, quote the theme song from my podcast? But why am I, and so that was just that revelation was enough to maybe calm down everywhere. Now I'm not again. I, st- I still do it. My, and sadly, my son will go look at this guy, Dad, and I'll go, "What are you doing? You can't, the guy's not doing anything." And my wife's like, "Well, where does he get it?" Like, eh, all right, fair enough. So, um, but that that experience that day at Target was it was a way for me to uh, to, to kind of start giving myself a break and understand, like, you know, you're you're beating yourself up. They're doing nothing. And you're mm-hmm. you're projecting it onto them, uh, so that was that. Uh, and then, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to remind myself. I bring me everywhere I go. Yes. And uh, you know what's the common denominator? That's. I mean, that's the. Mm-hmm. It, whenever you, 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 self-reflection is that right? Isn't it? It's always what's the common uh, denominator? And when people don't see the you know then this happened and then this happened and then this happened it's like really seems like there's one constant in all the stories you're telling Mm -hmm. and yeah uh not not every not everybody can be wronging you and right right uh, i mean i I love a i love a a good like cheese may a good like sit down and talk about like the wrongs of the world or to do that but when when asked you know, or, or even I'll say, as I'm talking, I do, I do that talking out both sides of my face thing a lot. Cause I see both sides, you know? So I'll say, I'll say things like, you know, and then this happened, but you know what? I'm the one with the pattern in this in relationships. This is not, he didn't show up any other version of who he was other than who he was. I'm the one who keeps doing this. So I have to look at me before yeah. I make any big decisions about that. And, um, and people just look at me like, that's weird because we love as humans we love a black and white narrative we love this happened and then this happened and then everything is better now this is a good person and this is a bad person yes and it's just not like that it's just not like that and um and i think that's understanding that squishy gray area that is forgiveness that is the the heart and the soul of forgiveness and it allows for people to do this thing that we call making amends right which is different than apologies it's different than apologies. I think we see a lot of apologies. We see a lot of hollow apologies. But an amends is like, 
in the you know in the woke verse or whatever you would call it restorative justice it's coming in and saying i did a thing that is wrong i recognize that it is wrong and that i've caused you harm how can i make it right and i especially like in when people are railing about you know cancel this and do that and do that and i'm like can we have this other option you know can we can we talk about this ability to like grow is that possible? Like, have you ever experienced, has anyone ever made amends to you? Has anyone, have you, have you had a weird amends or apology or surprising one show up in your life or one that you've had to give? Uh, well, I'm sure I've had to give many and um, I've either done them or I uh, go to bed every night hoping I can run into that person someday so I could say something to them. Uh, Hell yeah. There are, you know, when I go on my you know, during the pandemic, as we all do, you know, going on, you know, hour, hour and hour, hour, hour long walks. Um, and just in my head going, oh, if I ran into uh, that person from high school, I would say the following. And then I mm-hmm. do the, the the amends there. Uh, but I did do one recently to a, a, a fella from, uh, from high school. Uh, and there was one from grade school, actually, that I reached out to both on Facebook wow. and was like, you know what, I... I and they both were very, very kind, and they both said, I don't want to say the right thing, but they both were like, we were kids, man. Don't, you, yeah. you, you can't, you know, you know you're, as a 50-year-old man, you're apologizing for something that you did when you were 12. You, you know, you understand the word. They didn't say it like that. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm putting in those words. Yeah. Um, but there were a couple of guys that I, you know, I, being a short kid, um, I was made fun of by the big man on campus, both in grade school and high school, and then by default, somebody must be weaker than me that I could pick on. Yeah. And so then I would, uh, you know, I would then lash out at these two guys, one in grade school, one in high school. And then as time went on, and I'm seeing them on Facebook and so on and so forth, I'm going, you know who I would have gotten along with? Those two guys. You know, you mm-hmm. know what two guys were weird and interesting? Those guys. Right. And then reached out, I was like, hey, man, I, I can't believe that I treated you that way. Because at the end of the day, if you look at our, our, our likes and dislikes, we kind of should have been best friends. And yeah. um, both guys went, yeah, I don't disagree with that. And uh, so that was, uh, at least I got those two out of the way. And then uh, there's another scroll of people in my closet that I'm going to get to uh, at some point as well. Yeah, but that's, I mean, that's the alcoholic brain for me is mm-hmm. that uh, things that usually would other people would just let go. It's just like they rattle around my brain until I do something about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to one, there was, I apologize, David, but it, it, the no, same no. thing was there was a third person that I, um, I, I lived, this was one, of, and I'm not kidding, that to, again, David, with the rattling in your head, uh, that I went to bed thinking about, I would say f- five out of seven nights uh, about something that happened in seventh grade. And I was like, I hope that guy comes to one of my shows one day uh, that I, I, I need to apologize for this one day in seventh grade. I must wow. do that. And it finally happened. And he's like, I don't have a single memory of any of that. I've had it, a lot of those. And I'm like, like you, you got to be, what? be I've, I've been, this has been in my head for 40 years and you don't <laughs> even remember any of it. Um, and, but of course, at that point, it's like, Okay, good. I no longer have to now. Now that one doesn't keep me up at night. You know, I love some, that. something else can click into that spot, and exactly. uh, I'll obsess <laughs> about that until I see that person. Yeah. Well, and it's a mental house cleaning. I, yes. You know, like that's uh, you know in, in the twelve step rooms. That's you know that's 
uh, writing a list of the people we've harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. And that's, Mm -hmm. I do that as a spiritual practice to clean out the garbage that's sitting in my brain so I can make room for either new garbage or new good stuff. I mean, the hope Mm -hmm. is new good stuff, but, uh, and, and that's just, it's a practice Uh, and being willing to do that. That's a lot of people are like, I'm going to hate this person or I'm going to feel guilty to my grave. And they don't mm-hmm. decide to do anything about it. And I think, I don't know, like regardless of what you believe in, that's a, that's a community spirit to, to, to make amends, to be conscious of trying to grow as a person. And in order to grow as a person, I have to, you know, uh, to, to quote the, the people in the rooms, is like to clear away the wreckage of my past. Um, mm-hmm. And Jimmy, like, do you have a spiritual practice? Like, are, are you someone that needs to center? Or what, what does your day-to-day spiritual practice look like? Am I a person that needs to center? I would imagine, yes. Uh, am I a person that does it? No, I do not. Um, uh, you know, somebody once said to me, this is interesting, because I, I would talk about this on my podcast, about how I'm too in my head and too jaded or whatever to just have moments of Zen and to just relax. Mm -hmm. And then I would tell stories about, uh, Hey, you know what I'm doing at night? I'm watching, uh, the Miami vice. This is before binging became a thing. I'm watching Miami vice from start to finish. And I just sit and it's a great way for me to, to, uh, to calm down at, at, at the end of the day, I just watch Miami Vice and Zen out or the, or Kojak or Columbo or murder. She wrote and somebody went, well, that's, you're doing it. That, 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 that's your version of that yeah. you're not sitting yeah. cross-legged on the floor you know with a with a mantra but you're doing your version of it right. and that was another way of going okay i could stop beating myself up now that i don't know how to calm myself because i'm actually doing it and i found it organically so huh. i guess that's what i do dave is i as i watch these calming 70s and 80s shows that Hell bring yeah. back some nostalgia so so I'm, I'm rooted in that and at the same time they're they they're all very calm and in this you know, world that we live in now with everything's uh, tumultuous, uh, mm-hmm. it's nice. Yeah. Well, and you also said you, you were going for hour-long walks over the pandemic. Like, I feel like walking is, is a sufficient yeah. way yeah. for me to connect with nature, which is a, a, a spiritual practice in my book. Um, well, I, I, but again, I spend most of those uh, having either uh, arguments with people I will never have or, 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 uh, or forgiving people that, uh, that I will never run into again in my life. So, so my, my, my walks may not be all that relaxing. They may be uh, stress-filled um, uh, constitutionals. I asked my therapist about that. Um, for me, because I call them shower arguments. Like, yeah, I'll yeah. replay things in the shower a lot. And, um, and it's A, not great for the environment, and B, a little, a little, and I asked her, I was like, is what, you know, if I know I'm not nursing and rehearsing this resentment, like, what am I, is this healthy? And she said, because I saw someone on TikTok say it wasn't, like a therapist on TikTok say it wasn't. And she said, it depends on how you're processing the event. And do you feel like it's emotional processing? Are you getting anything out of it? Or is it just the the emotional masturbation of beating up on yourself, self-flagellation? Like, what is it? Are you getting... And I, and I have to ask myself about that, about all of my defects of character, my excessive thinking, my, um, my addictive behaviors. What do I get out of that? Because there's usually something that hits the little slot machine part of my brain. You know how they design they design slot machines in Vegas to deliberately make your brain stop and spend more money. There's a part of my lizard brain, my amygdala, that 
does get something out of that behavior. So I have to under I have to ask myself, what about is this productive? Is it not? And and so just being conscious of that is what keeps me from being because you could be on those walks processing things that you need to process. It could very well be a very positive thing for you. So I wouldn't I wouldn't judge judge your your walk contract because what's what's the alternative you go home and you you have that exact same conversation on your family who's not a part of it right you know like yeah. that's a stress so i i i, I don't know I'm, not, I'm gonna say that's a positive all right I like that you know what i'm taking it <laughs> i'm taking that too. david doesn't look like you, uh, you you don't think i should be as accepting no 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 i i think that you're not giving yourself enough credit for the yeah. process that you go through while you walk that's why I, I i bring it up is because most people don't try to engage in any activity where yeah. they're reviewing their days or their i mean their lives quite frankly and and they and, the, and they're doing an assessment you know i mean to put to put it like in another way like you're taking inventory and in the rooms of 12 step that's, I mean, that's a spiritual practice. Yeah. All yeah. right. So what I take away is I'm a hero. You yes, are. That's right. All right. An just American hero. I, I'm not making light of what you just said, by the way. Once again, that was me. <laughs> no, uh, no but, I love it. Yeah, I love it. Just, uh, I'm the good guy here. All right, good. I'm perfect. We're back to me. So so since you are um, a god amongst men, um, what is your relationship with, um, what is your relation? Do you have a relationship with like a higher power I or don't. a... That's okay. Yeah, what, do you, what do you believe, essentially? I, that's, that's, that's question 11. Like, if you have a higher power, what's it look like? And if you don't have you one? you got them? Question mark. What, what you believe in? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know the answer to this. I, re- I really don't. And you could ask me tomorrow and I won't know. And you could have asked me 10 years ago and I wouldn't have known. Hell yeah. I, I don't know the answer to this. Um, uh, there, are, there are times where I'm like, you know what? I should... Uh, I, I, you know, I, I grew up Catholic. I went to uh, that, you know, until I had my communion and then, uh, not communion, my confirmation in eighth grade, and then I didn't go ever again. Um, mm. My mom was like, uh, I, want you to, I want you to learn this. And then you make a decision from it. You, you decide what you want to do moving forward. Uh, you want to keep going, you go, you don't, you don't. And I didn't. Um, but I, 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 I man, I, I don't know. I, I've, I have family that are all in on that. And not just Catholicism, mm-hmm. but uh, just a higher being. They're all in on it that, you know, everything happens. You know, God has a, a plan for us all and, and uh, that. And I don't necessarily agree with that because why would that guy want that bad thing to happen? Well, then we learn from it. Like, there's always an answer yeah. for that. So yeah. I don't subscribe to that. Uh, and at the same time, though, I, there's, there, there must be something. So sure. I, I, I recognize this is a, a complete just word salad, non-answer. But it's kind of where my brain is with it because I truly don't know. I mean, yeah. I, I, I honestly appreciate the non-knowing uh, mm. almost more than the, no, 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 this motherfucker's in the clouds and he's watching all of us and he's judging. You know, like I appreciate the not knowing, the admitting that like there's certain things I may never know. And, you know, for me in recovery, it's like I had to conceive of just like actual powers that were greater than me, like nature or the universe, mm-hmm. you know, or just that's you know like the ocean you know moving out to los angeles is like if you ever want to feel uh right sized uh jump in the ocean because that's a power that's greater than me and uh it, it essentially is just going down to the i'm not the center of the universe like that's i think that's the real um that's the real uh 
root of, of mm-hmm. you know, conceptualizing uh, of a quote-unquote higher power is that, like, I'm not it. Like, I'm not the center of the universe. Mm-hmm. And I had to learn that. And it's tough for us to do as comedians because we yeah. are the center of the universe for that time that we're on stage. It is mm-hmm. all about... I remember when I was an open micer, some other comics said, isn't this weird what we do, that we get up there and we... You know, we just expect these people to want to listen to what we have to say. And at yeah. the time, I was like, no, it's not weird. We're comedians. It's what we did. And then as time went on, I was like, yes, it's the weirdest thing in the world that we... It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> so it, it is hard, Dave, to then step away and not feel like you're the center of the universe when... I mean, look, it's the old, uh, you know, uh, you know, John Denver, of all people said, and, and, and Dan Fogelberg kind of said it in a song. It's, it's, they're in front of thousands of people then they go to a hotel room and they're alone and it's hard to be alone right. because you're the center of the universe and uh yeah, yeah. i guess i had a yeah. thought there it's the highest highs and the lowest lows thank you yeah. but i yeah. i just thought it was important i bring up john Denver and dan fogelberg i thought that was very important to the conversation i, I think had, it is i had no other point th- but to mention those names apparently I think I think it is, and we've we've made it to the last question. Thank oh, you so much, Jimmy, for doing this podcast and for your honesty. And this is honestly like hang this one in the rafters. This is one of the best ones. Well, this first of all, I don't this believe is a very that. good episode. I, I hope that your editing solves a lot of my uh, rambling problems. Uh, <sighs> also, you mentioned at the top of this about how it rained a little bit and then it got humid. Uh, mm-hmm. Dumb Jimmy Pardo decided to uh, look at the, what the temperature was outside. Oh, it's only 72 degrees. So, oh, we don't have to turn the air conditioning on today. I'll just open up some windows. And I've never been more sweaty or muggy in my life. <laughs> and I should have put the air conditioning on. Um, so I agree with what you said an hour ago at the top of this podcast. <laughs> the ultimate Hell callback. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's. I'm literally sitting here going, the second this is over, I'm putting the air conditioning on. It is unbearable in this room at the moment let's knock out this last question jimmy what would you tell someone just like you in the world listening to this podcast you know what i I, the same thing i've already said not everybody can be doing something wrong it's really that and and just that get just stop judging and stop being mad at everybody and and it's especially with social media it's so easy to just write oh this guy needs to know my negative thoughts like, I mean, you know, how many positive things do people, I mean, it's, it's rare that people post yeah. something, you know, positive um, on social media. Even when somebody picks yeah. a picture of like, hey, there's us on vacation. Must be nice to have money. Jesus Christ. I, just, <laughs> I, I thought we were supposed to share our vacation pictures with our families. So right. I, it's, it's, I guess, it's, again, it's just that. Like, I, I, I just learned not everybody is doing something wrong. Uh, right. And just let it, just relax. I guess that's what I would say. And then that person would go, that. what does that mean? And I would go, I, I don't know, Dan Fogelberg, John Denver? <laughs> and hope it makes so, sense. So where can people find you, Jimmy, and your podcast and all the things that you're doing? Uh, of course, JimmyPardo.com is a really, you know, the, the catch-all for it. At Jimmy Pardo on Twitter, if you want to see me promote shows and do the occasional joke. Uh, and then my podcast, Never Not Funny, which uh, I'm with... Uh, I, I'm very lucky in that I've surrounded myself with, with these three guys who, in, in the everyday world, we were just talking about this recently, in the everyday world, I don't know if the four of us would ever be friends, Like, mm. but we've all come into each other's lives. My co-host, Matt Belknap, and I have been together for 15 years. Our video guy, Elliot, has been with us for 10 years, and our intern, who's really just a cast member at this point, has been with us for eight years. And mm. they, we all come from different worlds, and we all get together you know, three times a week to do our show. And um, it is, uh, it, it, it's, gr- it's great. And we've, we've all grown as people on this show and you hear it. You hear us grow 
from using words that we couldn't, you know, that at one time were allowed to no longer allowed, and and jokes and stuff. And yeah. uh, and by the way, those words never should have been allowed. They just somehow were, and comedically, we were, you know, uh, times have changed, yeah. and and for the good. And thank God they've changed. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting. So, and I say this to get back to what we something that somebody said earlier about being grateful for things. I am grateful that these guys came into my life and that I have this podcast that allows me to be the clown comedian that I am, but also to be honest and open with these, with these other guys. Then we bring guests on and so on. And, and just to have not, not just a show that is all about, look at me, look how funny I am. Look how funny I am mm-hmm. where we could actually have real conversation. So I'm grateful to have these guys in my life. There we go. Oh, you're the best. Mm-hmm. You're a gem. I mean it. I mean it. I know it's hard to take a compliment, but I mean it. What? And my cat also thinks you're the best. What is the kitty cat's name? And can I see its face? His, yes. Oscar, come here. <gasps> Oscar. Come here, you little psycho. This is Oscar. Hello, Oscar. Uh, oh, Oscar doesn't have headphones on, so he can't hear me. He does. He, he can because he has cat ears, so oh. he can probably hear you. Like Oscar. Hi, should be, Oh, there. Yeah, here I am. It's Jimmy Pardo from, uh, I used to be on television. Hi. Hi, buddy. Oh. Yeah, he's uh, he's the third co-host of this podcast. He uh, literally, the second I turn this off, he will comp- lay down and sleep. And uh, not bother me anymore. Um, it's his uh, it's his his right uh, to run around and uh, scream directly into the camera. It's pretty great. Um, I I am a, I'm allergic to kitty cats, and I uh, and I love them with every fiber of my Aww. being. I I would love nothing more than to be bothered by a kitty cat while I was doing this because uh, I love them so. But I can't be anywhere near them. Oh well, man. And don't I, tell I, me there's not an allergic cat. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, no, 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 no. My, yeah, I had a, no, I had a. Nobody doc- wants the nutsack cat. <laughs> the nutsack. I want the nutsack cat for sure. I the love, I love a hairless cat. cat. Those Ugh. little inbred demons. Hell yeah. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, yeah no and plus those aren't the hypoallergenic ones because it's really the spit that makes the it's the dander. You so are the only human being in the world that's ever understood this, and I mean that sincerely. Everybody else is like yeah, but my cat, my dog, you don't get it. My I've been dog a cat doesn't lady shed. this whole time. Wow. Yeah, I had a doctor tell me stop having cats in your life, and I said no. I'll take three Zyrtec a night. Thank you. Good for you. <laughs> I, 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 and my son ends up being allergic as well. So it's like I, because I even thought like I love them so much. I will take three Zyrtec a night, and I will live through this. And then yeah. my son's allergic too. It's like well, I can't make him do that. So, uh, well, do you have dogs? No, I'm, I'm, I'm even more allergic to dogs than I am cats. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. No, it's okay. It's okay. The only other person we know that doesn't have pets is Donald Trump. So I think I'm in good shape. Yeah. Hey, there you go. Yeah, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot. He never got a White House pet. No. Cardo 2024. Oh, come on. Bring it on. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? By the way, could you yeah. imagine him with an animal? He wouldn't know how to show an animal affection. He wouldn't know what to do. He would, he would hurt it. He, he would, would, he hurt, would it. hurt it. He would he hurt, it. hurt it. Yeah, because he, tr- he truly is some sort of... Um, Brainworms, narcissist, sociopath, you know, maybe uh, there's this great book called um, How to Relate to the Aging Narcissist. And it's like basically how to deal with your parents as the, or grandparents who might be have a personality disorder as they as they age. Yeah. And um, I think that is the guide for processing what happened with Donald Trump. <laughs> I think it was going on is we had a slightly senile uh, psychopath. Yes. In charge. And on that note, <laughs> we should shut yeah. it down so that Jimmy can turn his AC on. Anna, where can people find our podcast and all your things? 
you can find me at uh, you could uh, go to my website annavalenzuela.com that's where you can find that is also the hub for all the things and you can also find me at uh, Anna V is fun that's Anna with two N's uh, Anna V is fun on all the social medias the TikToks the Instagrams all the things and uh, you can uh, find this podcast at 12Q pod on Twitter Instagram Gmails all the things um, and Dave where can people find you you can find me at Yates Comedy, Y-A-T-E-S Comedy, on all the social media. Uh, and then a little show announcement. I am coming home to Peoria, Illinois, to headline my home club, the Jukebox Comedy Club, uh, October 29th and 30th. So if you're listening and you're from Central Illinois, I love you. I'm coming home to headline the Jukebox. So get your tickets now because we're going to try to sell it out. Dave, so, can I tell you something? Maybe if we've met in the past and I don't remember this, I apologize. Uh, the jukebox is in my top five clubs in the country. I think it's, it's one best. of the best clubs. Dan mm-hmm. runs such a great club. Yep. And uh, oh my God, I have family in Peoria. I mm-hmm. I adore that club. Well, send them out to my uh, headlining debut. It's like you know, it's like the last place you're ever going to headline is usually your original home club. And Absolutely. I hit Dan up, and he got back to me, and we're doing it, guys. So, oh. Jukebox Comedy Club, please get tickets uh, to all the Pardos that are in Peoria. Please, I know they, you're uh, listening. Uh, they are McGowan's. The McGowan's oh. will come out to see you. Forgive uh, me, but that is. I have a great time. Boy, do I. In fact, you're going to. You know this. You know how nurturing that club is. You know how great he it's is. the best. Um, and uh, the, the scene, it's a great comedy. Nobody would ever think Peoria has a great comedy scene, and it does, all because of that one guy. Aww. Yeah. It's so the best. great. Have great shows. So, yeah, check us out. And uh, how we end this podcast every single time is uh, Jimmy, if no one's told you this today, we love you, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I know, it's hard to take. (laughs) Anna, and if no one's told you this today, we love you. Love you, Dave. You're a delight. Yuck. See, I can't take them either. And if you're listening to the podcast, tuning in, we appreciate you. Subscribe, rate, and review. But most importantly, if no one's told you this today, listener, we love you. We love you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.